Think about how common it is to hear someone express this time of year to express a desire for a change-less Christmas. A change-less Christmas. And I don't mean by that having coins in your pocket. Okay? A change-less Christmas. Think about this. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like what? The ones I used to know, right? Let it be exactly the same way as it was then. Kids don't want to grow out of those magical Christmas feelings. And they often lament and struggle as they get into those teenage years and older, thinking, oh, the wonder of Christmas. Where did it go? And of course, as they grow up, parents still want everyone together at Christmas, just like it used to be before. People jealously and or zealously guard their holiday traditions. They listen to that same holiday playlist. They watch their favorite Christmas movies over and over again. I think it's fair to say that if a person's experience of Christmas has been and remains a blessing, which of course is not true for everyone, but if it is, it seems to be the norm to long for to work for, to even sing about a change-less Christmas. But this morning, it's extremely important that we remind one another that a change-less Christmas ultimately means zilch without a change-less Christ. Amen? A change-less Christmas means nothing without a change-less Christ. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. In this series, we have been looking at one verse from across the book of Hebrews. We've taken just one verse a week. Yeah, I brought the context in, of course, as we should do. But we've looked at just one verse, and we found in, in, in just single verses throughout the book, incredible things, like opening like a treasure chest and all of a sudden you see like this gold and you see gleaming in front of you. We have done that with the book of Hebrews. We're going to do it again with verse 8 of chapter 13. Though it is an extremely short verse, you can see it there, it is incredibly big. It is deceivingly big. We might say it's mind-blowingly big. Here it is. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. I'm going to say it again. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, for those of you who say, well, I can't memorize Scripture, I say, bah humbug to you. Don't give me that excuse. You can memorize Scripture because don't even look at your Bibles and tell me what the verse is. Just shout it out. There it is. You already know it. See, you already memorized Scripture. Just keep that, right? You put that there in your pocket with, with what, uh, uh, John 11, is it 52? Jesus wept. Just put Jesus wept in the other pocket, right? John eleven fifty two. Put Hebrews 13, 8, and man, you are equipped for ministry, my friends. <laughs> okay, here we go. The main point of this verse is clear, right? 
it, it's not hard. You read it, it. It's clear. The main point of this simple verse. Jesus never changes. Jesus never changes. He does not change no matter how much time has passed. But wait. Wait. Isn't one of our most common Christmas correctives reminding others that the promised baby laid in that Christmas manger grew up? That he grew up to be a perfect man who went to the cross to rescue us? Don't we remind each other of that? That means Jesus did change. Jesus does change. Right? Jesus did change. Think about it. He went from saying things like gaga goo goo to things like blessed are the poor in spirit, Matthew chapter 5. So Jesus did change. Yeah, he did change. Even this very same book teaches us that Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered, chapter 5, verse 8. He learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus did change. So what does this verse mean then? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Ah, we have a little puzzle on our hands here that we need to understand. And how best to do that? By using the context of this book. Let's use the context here in Hebrews to consider three ways that it helps us understand this amazing statement in chapter 13, verse 8, about the sameness of Christ. The same, with an M in there, not sameness like insanity or sanity, but sameness of Christ. First of all, take a look on the screen. Our first point this morning, this sameness points us to the glorious consistency of His nature. The glorious consistency of His nature. What do I mean by the consistency of His nature? Well, the best example of that is found in the very first chapter of the book. In that opening chapter, chapter 1, the writer is making a clear case from the Old Testament Scriptures for the superiority of Jesus over angels. There were some tendencies in first century Judaism, tendencies to almost worship angels. To think that angels, almost like in Roman Catholicism with saints, that angels could benefit you or mediate before God in some way before you, for, for you. We see a little of this twisting out in the book of Colossians where the worship of angels is explicitly mentioned there. So, as the author wants to argue for how much better Jesus is, the very thing he continues to do right throughout the book, right? Jesus is better than this Old Covenant. Jesus is better than the priesthood of the Old, of the old Covenant. He begins here with the angels. Now, verse 10, we're going to put the text up here on the screen for you, but verse 10 of chapter 1 only begins with the conjunction and, but the subject is clear from chapter 1, verse 8, but it says, but of the Son, capital S, O-N, of the Son, He, God says, so what do we learn then? What is God saying, telling us about the Son in chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, which is a quotation from the book of Psalms. This is Psalm 102. We read this about, about the Son. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning 
and the heavens are the work of your hands, they will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you roll up, like a garment they will be changed, but you are the same. Mm, We know that word, don't we? You are the same and your years have, will have no end. Clearly, when you read chapter 1, what the writer is talking about here is the unchanging deity of God the Son. It's what theologians call, when they describe the character of God, God's immutability. Right? It's not, that's not just a, a remote without a, a mute button on it. No, immutability is actually the unchangingness of God. It's one of the attributes of God. And that's applied here to God the Son. You may remember that in chapter 1, verse 2, we learn that it was through the Son that God created the world. Hebrews 1, 2. If Jesus then is God the Son in human flesh, then even though His human nature may have grown in all of the appropriate and healthy ways that humans do grow. They go from gaga goo goo, right, to intelligent words. They get bigger, they get hairier, they get all smellier, all of that stuff. They do mature, even though Jesus' human nature did grow in all those appropriate and healthy ways, His divine nature absolutely did not and does not change. Ever. Friends, that is a foundation for our study this morning. It is our strong and firm foundation, the unchanging deity of Jesus Christ. But there's another way to think about this idea of the sameness of Jesus, like we heard in chapter 13, verse 8. Look at number 2 here on the screen. Number 2, the immediate context here in chapter 13 is helpful in bringing this idea out. So second, this sameness regarding Jesus Christ points to the glorious consistency of His message. The glorious consistency of His message. Listen again to chapter 13, verse 8. But this time, let me read the verse before and the verse after that verse. Okay, you can read along in your Bible. Take a look at it. This is Hebrews 13, verses 7 through 9. The author here is encouraging his readers to, verse 7, remember your leaders. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. Now, did you notice the brackets here? (laughs) Right? Really interesting. This is really a great example one of, the, one of the better examples of when we cherry-pick verses right out of the Scriptures and we give no, uh, we give no um, recognition to their context, we often miss what's being said, at least part of what's being said. 
this is a great example of that. Notice what verses 7 and verse, verse, seven and verse 9 have in common. Do you see the, the common theme there? What do verse 7 and 9 have in common? They're both focused on teaching. Teaching. That is, what these believers were taught and what these believers might be taught. Maybe they were being taught by wrong-headed people right now in the today. But they might be taught these things. So, uh, according to verse 7, these readers have been taught the Word of God by what kind of leaders? They've been taught the Word of God by leaders who practice what they preached. These leaders really did walk the talk, didn't they? They walked the talk. But we sense that a shadow has been cast according to verse 9. Look at verse 9 again. In spite of what they heard and what they saw in terms of the truth from those leaders who really did practice what they preached, the author here is wanting them, sorry, he's warning them about being led away. Being led away by what? What does it say in verse 9? Diverse and strange teachings. Do we have any idea what these diverse and strange teachings are? Well, yeah. We get a little bit of it. Hold on a second, though. We'll come back to that. The corrective for these diverse and strange teachings actually begins in verse 8. And here's the corrective for those strange and diverse teachings. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the corrective. That's the ground. That's the, that's the firm grip, right? Strapped in. We are secure in light of what's coming against, what might come against them or what is coming against them in terms of false ideas. So in its immediate context, chapter 13, verse 8, our main text for this morning, is very similar, from an, very similar to another passage from our Bible reading plan last week. It's Galatians 1. Let me share with you a few verses from Galatians 1 that you read last week. I believe on Wednesday we entered into the book of Galatians. Galatians 1. This is where the Apostle Paul writes this. Verse 6. I am astonished, Galatians, that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, another gospel. But there are some who trouble you and they want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel that is contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. So in the Galatian church, there were leaders who taught them the word of God. There were leaders who practiced what they preached. In the Galatian church, there were leaders who walked the talk. And their lives were imitatable, weren't they? Right? Their lives were exemplary. And, and, and this point of the leaders that taught them of the Word of God comes out clearly here in Galatians because there's a distortion of the gospel happening. But we know what, what Paul is saying here. There is not another gospel There is not another Jesus. It remains the same, for He remains the same. It seems like in Hebrews, the diverse and strange teachings in verse 9 had something to do with foods. 
That's interesting, isn't it? Maybe it was the old covenant dietary restrictions, right? Kosher diet. Or maybe it was a kind of a spin on that, a new kind of religious diet that offered a heart reassured by ritual, right? It offered you a a heart that would be reassured by ritual rather than what the writer prescribes here, that is a heart strengthened by grace. Those are the only two options that we have. We are either working for ourselves to try to follow the rules and follow the path, hoping that in the end we will earn something, or we are strengthened by the sheer, pure, beautiful grace of God. What He gives us undeservedly that we do not merit. That's why the author here is reminding them. Whatever the specifics are, we, we, we can only kind of speculate. Whatever the specifics of this tension, this false teaching in the book of Hebrews, the writer here wants to make it absolutely clear that the gospel, the saving truth about Jesus, has not changed. It is the same. Does that make sense? How, how verse 8 kind of fits in that idea? Especially with those two parts that are there. But just as we heard, the reason the message has not changed, point two, is because Christ has not changed. But I think we can be even more specific than that. So, number three, our third point this morning, I think we can say that the sameness of chapter 13, verse 8, points us to the glorious consistency of His salvation. The glorious consistency of His salvation. Think about yesterday and today and forever. That language, think about that language from verse 8. Think about it in light of the whole book. How does the whole book use this language? How does the book inform this language? What is revealed to us about the central theme of Jesus Christ as the greatest high priest and accordingly the greatness of His priestly work? How are we brought into that, ushered into that, and how does it connect with yesterday and today and forever? Let me give you some ideas. First of all, the yesterday of our salvation, this glorious consistency of His salvation, the yesterday of our salvation was 2,000 years ago. Now, now, for the readers here, the first readers of Hebrews, it was just decades earlier. This yesterday was Good Friday. This yesterday was the sacrifice of Jesus through his death on the cross. As we read in chapter 9, verse 14, through the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself without blemish to God to purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Offered, past tense. And unlike previous animal sacrifices, according to chapter 9, verse 28, Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. One time, past event, that's yesterday. Christ's death in our place was and remains a finished work, completed. Now, regarding this crucial yesterday of our salvation, we're told again in chapter 12, verse 2, that He, Jesus, endured the cross. Past tense. 
despising the shame and is presently seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It's that final note right there that tells us about what He did, right? The past and the present that sets us up for what is to come next in light of verse Sorry, verse 8 of chapter 13. So the yesterday of our salvation, Good Friday. Now in this book, the today of our salvation emphasizes the ongoing intercession of Jesus as our high priest. His intercession in light of his perfect and perfecting sacrifice. Yesterday, today, the intercession of Christ. Where do we see that? We see that, uh, take a look. Uh, Chapter 9, verse 24. Christ has entered, past tense, into heaven itself. Now, there's the word, now, presently, to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Right now, Jesus is appearing in the presence of God on your behalf. Take that personally, believer. Take that personally. He's appearing before in the presence of God on your behalf. In fact, you may remember that the word today from 13.8, today, is a key word. I think it appears five or six times in chapter three, chapters 3 and 4. Right? Here's a great example of that. Uh, but exhort one another every day. I think we have it up here. One more. Let's see. No, maybe I don't have it up there. (laughs) Here it is. Chapter 3, verse 13. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ. We have come to share in Christ, brothers and sisters. We have come to share in Christ today. So it affects It has implications for today for us. So the Savior who yesterday offered that perfect sacrifice is the very same Savior who today still intercedes on our behalf in light of that same sacrifice. Is this coming together? Making sense? Yesterday and today? But what about the forever of 13.8? What about that forever? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. What does the book tell us about this forever? Well, building on the verses that we just looked at about the yesterday and today of our salvation, think with me about a phrase that we find several times in chapter 7 through 11. That's where we come up here with 727. There it is. He did this. It says in 727, it tells us about this about the perfect offering and perfect sacrifice. He did this once for all when he offered up himself. Now listen for a similar, some similar language in 9.12. It describes how Jesus entered once for all into the holy places by means of his own blood. Similarly, chapter 10, verse 10, it's clear that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Friends, that phrase does not mean once for all people. It means once for all time. 
Once for all time is what the word is. Just one word in Greek. Uh, it's, we use three different English words to translate that one word. But that one word means once for all time. It's telling us here in those verses repeatedly in the book of Hebrews that there never will not be a time that the sacrifice of Jesus isn't powerfully effective for us as His people. It is the eternal foundation of our redemption and our reconciliation and our righteousness and our eternal glory with the Father. Always will be. And one last note to kind of just bring it all home. Chapter 7, we find both the death and resurrection of Jesus brought beautifully together and brought into view here. Take a look. This is what we read in chapter 7, verses 24 through 25. He, Jesus, holds His priesthood permanently because He continues forever. He continues forever. Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. Always lives. Death could not stop Him. The grave could not hold Him. He always lives to make intercession for you. Does this make sense? Jesus Christ, our Savior, is the same yesterday and today and forever. That is the glorious consistency of your salvation. That is the glorious consistency of my salvation. Now, having drawn out of the context all of these amazing truths about the glorious consistency of His nature, His message, and His salvation... Just go back and reread 13.8. The writer reminds and reassures his readers, and God reminds and reassures us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Brothers and sisters, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you? It means what was true for them is true for us. Specifically, as the writer puts it in chapter 6, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Full stop. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. We have a Savior who is sure and steadfast. We have a salvation that is sure and steadfast. He does not drift in the tide. He cannot be dragged by the storm. The anchor holds firm. He is the same what He was, He is, and what He is, He always will be. The work of our salvation that He completed yesterday is the work that He applies today, is the work that stands forever and ever and ever. In a world where everything changes, 
where change is the norm, or at least in a world that is susceptible to change, moment by moment susceptible to change. It is mind-blowing to think that nothing ever has, nothing can even now, nothing ever will be able to alter the faithfulness of our high priest or the finished work he accomplished for God's glory and our good. Nothing can change that. Nothing you've done can change that. Nothing you presently feel can change that. Not one thing the future holds can change the fact that our Savior and His redeeming grace is powerful in your life. Powerful to save. Powerful for your redemption and reconciliation and righteousness. As I said at the outset, a changeless Christmas ultimately means nothing without a changeless Christ. But when you think about that idea, there really is no such thing as a changeless Christmas. It's just not possible in this world to have a changeless Christmas. This world is shifting sands. This world is turbulent waters. It's important for us to make peace with that and accept that fact that things will change. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse, in the temporary limited scope that we often kind of feel ourselves confined to. But we know from this that in that eternal scope, in that big perspective, that big picture view that God wants to give us, nothing can change in what matters most. Right? So, even though there is no such thing as a changeless Christmas, our many attempts to ensure that things stay the same at the holidays, those attempts do point us back to our longing for this anchor. That's what we're really longing for. This anchor, capital A, for one, for, for one who truly cannot change. Friends, be encouraged by this fact. The Jesus you read about in sacred scripture really is the Jesus who knocks on the door of your heart today. When you read the Gospels, that Jesus is the Jesus knocking today. He's the Jesus calling out to you today. He's the Jesus that wants to come in and eat with you today. He's the Jesus who wants to have fellowship with you today. He's the Jesus who wants to have mercy on you like He had mercy on that bleeding woman. Like he, He's the Jesus who wants to heal you today in whatever way you, you need most like that blind man or that paralyzed man. He's the same Jesus who will speak the truth in love to you. He's the same Jesus who, who has sacrificial love for you. Sacrificial love that yesterday drove him to Golgotha. It's this very same Jesus. Not a different Jesus. Not a Jesus who over 2,000 years has grown disinterested. Right? He's got better things to do. He's gotten kind of tired of the old thing. Like you or I might do if we were in charge of being the Savior. Right? We would start twiddling our thumbs and our minds would start wandering. Right? We can't sit still for five minutes. We would be on to something else. We would be doing something else. Jesus is rock solid. The same. The same Jesus that we meet in Scripture, sacred Scripture, really is the Jesus who knocks today on the door of your heart. And that same Savior really will be there for us in the end, as the Apostle Paul acknowledged, for now we see in a mere dimly 
but then face to face. Will you recognize him when he comes? Because you've spent countless hours with him already? Because you know his nature? You know what he's like? You know how he's loved you? Will you recognize him? Not with these eyes, like, oh, I thought your beard would be longer. No. Will you recognize him with, with your heart when you see him? Because you have known him. You change, I change, sometimes for the worse, sometimes for the better. But Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's rejoice. Take a moment just personally to give thanks to God. Let your soul just issue forth in adoration in light of this fact. And I'll wrap our time up together.